You're listening to the Today's Conveyancer podcast, the leading source of information for residential property lawyers in England and Wales. Don't forget to subscribe and sign up to our free newsletter at todaysconveyancer.co.uk. You can also follow us on LinkedIn and Twitter. Hello and welcome along to the latest Today's Conveyancer podcast. This week, we have Fiona Barron, Chief Executive of Land Data, Pat Morgan, Chair of the Local Land Charges Institute, and Nick Dios, Director of Endless, to discuss the work that your three organisations do around local land charges and the way that you're working together. And as we've been discussing just before we started to record, actually, while land registry reform is a big part of what's happening in local land charges, it's only a part of the story uh, and in fact there's a, there's a huge amount more work being done which today we're going to talk about so I thought it would be worth initially just looking individually at your organizations and understanding your purpose and vision uh, within the organization so perhaps Fiona if I can come to you first what's the purpose and vision of uh, the land, land data? So land data was um set up in 2001 and we're a a government-backed public-private partnership so we're a PPP we're um, a a not-for-profit and a a community interest company and and our remit then still is today is to improve the home buying and selling process and to serve the interests of the general public by making official property search information accessible electronically. Back in 2001 we launched uh, the National Land Information Service which is everyone knows as Endless, um, which is a hub connecting property search providers to local authorities and other sources of official data, uh, including the Coal Authority and Land Registry. And a a key part of what we do is to issue and manage the contract um, which uh, to to run the Endless Hub. And we also issue licenses to uh, the channels that connect to the hub. Um, So channels such as um, Searchflow, uh, Thames Water Property Searches Index and Express Legal. <clears throat> so these, these entities um, are able to connect to the hub and offer their conveyancing customers official searches. Very useful to frame the discussion. Thanks, Fiona. Uh, Pat. Thank you, David. Um, the Local Landholders Institute is the representative body for local landholders officers. We provide guidance and advice to our members to help them, and we host an online forum for them to discuss any problems they might have and seek advice from their peers. Our members' main concern is to ensure that they are able to provide prospective property buyers with the authoritative data that they need to make informed decisions about their purchases. Thanks very much indeed, Pat. Nick. Hi, David. Yes, so Endless, what do we do? Well, we are a clever piece of secure technology that connects all of the local authorities in England and Wales, along with the Coal Authority and Land Registry, to a variety of search providers who serve the conveyancing community. So effectively, we're giving people a clever, secure, standardised service, um, bringing together about 400 different suppliers to try and make the house buying process get quicker. And if we do it well, you don't actually know that we're there exactly how the very best technology works you don't know it's it's there indeed it's just seamless and behind the scenes and that's kind of what we hope we can be i said we were going to talk a little bit about local land charges and 
the work that's going on in, in the organisations that you're representing. I'm going to come perhaps to you first, Pat. How has the pandemic affected the ability to process particularly local land charges searches? Um, some councils were very were able to move remarkably quickly, effectively overnight to an effective home working system. Others took longer to adapt, but they did get there in the end. Um, local land charges does depend on liaising with a lot of departments across the council. So the move away from easy access to colleagues and their information took some adjusting to. Um, undoubtedly, the biggest impact was on personal searches. Most local authorities opted to email personal searches as their offices could not open for personal inspection mm. of registers. Many authorities still haven't resumed a business as usual service and some are not open for in-person personal searches. That's because um, some authorities just still discourage um, visitors in person to their office. They try to conduct more business um, online remotely by the phone but i i do think yes there there were some problems adjusting as every business found but i think on the whole the councils did fairly well to get a a, a remote service up and running pretty quickly from the perspective of seeing all the local authorities in england and wales i would actually say i was actually genuinely impressed as to how little overall disruption there was um Clearly, the first few weeks, we saw a number of councils um, closing for a few days just to put home working services in in place. But I would say that that got nowhere near to anything, anything worse than 10 percent of councils doing that. In the majority of cases, it was it was seamless. Um, I think where, where where our memories were probably most scarred was the stamp duty holidays and the the pressures and the demands that that put on everybody but if you look at what we're seeing now and transactional volumes are still really good you know you're you're seeing 120,000 sold subject to contract plus every single month listings improving we're actually seeing that searches for being overdue are being chased less and less and less which suggests that the overall service actually works pretty well and and copes however local authorities are choosing to work whether that's through visits or through online Fiona. Uh, yes, I just wanted to add to that um, a statistic that we um, pulled out uh, a few months ago when we went to the local government association conference, which is that in, in that in the height of the pandemic, uh, when the property market was at its busiest, when we had that surge in searches because of the stamp duty deadlines, uh, 63, these are endless hub figures, by the way, that 63% of local authorities returned the searches in 10 days or under and that was at the height of of the pandemic um and last month because we share the state of local authorities um every, every month um so they can benchmark um we had just under 75 percent turning around in 10 days or under and when when i share those figures with with people in the industry they're often very surprised um at i think as as, as pat said i think it was it's the, the personal search market that um that probably suffered the most. So here's a question for the three of you. What other repercussions are you seeing as a result of the pandemic? We're still, there's this new normal moniker, isn't there, about how we now work. In fact, the three of us are sat in, I think the three of us are actually sat in our own homes still. What What are the other repercussions of the pandemic and, and how are they still still being felt in councils? 
like many in the sector, we did notice a drop in demand at the start of the pandemic. Um, this changed after the Chancellor introduced the stamp duty holiday. We've mentioned this already, but demand for searches rose sharply to levels not been for many, many years, and I've been in this business for a very long time. Uh, and demand has stayed there despite the holiday ceasing. Um, we are now seeing a, a start of a slight drop uh, in demand as interest rates rise and the overall cost of living. Um, I think the fact that the um, at the start of the pandemic, there was a period of, should we say, three months when the market really wasn't sure and uh, sure what was going to be happening and um, demand for search certainly dropped off and you know, people weren't, estate agents weren't allowed to open their doors and viewings had to be done online. So there was definitely a drop and that I think gave local authorities the time to bring in the new systems that we talked about earlier, the, re the remote working. So by the time the um, stamp duty holiday did come into effect and demand just shot through the roof. I think we had had time to adjust. Um, we are still feeling the, not so much the, the, the pandemic, yes, in terms of remote working, but the, the demand is still there. Um, training new staff is obviously something that's much more difficult if you're doing it online rather than face-to-face. -face. So we are adjusting and have adjusted, but as we said before, in the same way that lots of people in this sector and other sectors are, are also having to change and still feeling the repercussions. What we have been seeing since 2020 is a, a, a demand, quite a, quite a large demand for our training services, which when we talk to local authorities, what we're hearing is that there's been limited knowledge transfer, probably during during you know those pandemic years when people were working from home. We all know the benefits of being in the same room with colleagues, you know, picking up what's going on and learning. And I think it's working from home has made it very difficult for, for that knowledge to be transferred also. We've seen senior local land charges personnel retire and new staff come in. So um, we, we have seen a, a demand for that um, and we are creating new courses all the time. I think from, from, from our perspective, we actually saw a disappearance of the seasonal trends in house buying. I'm sure we all used to remember that there was the summer lull and then there was the charge up to Christmas and things like that. That just completely disappeared for two years. Although interestingly, we are starting to see it return this year and we have seen the usual summer decline through July and August and we're already starting to detect there is a slight upswing with the return of everybody now that um, we're into September so long may that continue and let's hope the World Cup doesn't disrupt it too much because it's amazing how sporting events stop people being able to view houses. That's a very valid point Nick I've not sort of thought about that. There is a recruitment crisis in conveyancing and I've certainly heard that there's a similar lack of knowledge transfer as you've alluded to Fiona in, in local land charges it is a, a very intensive role actually isn't it and local land charges offices have got a huge amount of head knowledge that they are unable to transfer or haven't transferred to incoming staff both the data that we hold, which is a kind of historical corporate memory 
of data and then the information that we learn about our individual local authorities over the years those yes the, 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 they they do stay within our heads uh, and we do try and get some of them down but there are many things that you just you know you can't get everything down the land registry is taking over part of the local land charges service and so this um, is um, in a way forcing people to document their processes more uh, and enable easier because we're into bringing a whole new system enable people coming in to um, perhaps fit into a more structured pattern than is the case that has been the case because local land charter sits um, in a lot of area, different areas in the local authority. In terms of recruitment, I have to say I haven't noticed a lot of faces disappearing, um, be they virtual. Um, people do tend to stay in um, where they are for a long time, and it is a very intensive hands-on training period. I've mentioned that's more difficult, but I'm not aware. I think local authorities as a whole have a recruitment problem. Um, but not necessarily local land charges more than any other. Nick? I, th I think it's it's almost an inevitability that you will see this churn through either conveyancing or uh, search providers or local authority. It's what do you expect with all the changes that we've all had to go through over the last few years? So I, I think as much as anything, not only I understand it's a frustration because you don't have enough staff or you don't have enough experience, but it can be a very valuable time to actually impart new knowledge, bring in new processes, which we have done at the hub to introduce new pieces of technology, to monitor workflows, to improve targeting of queries and all of these things. So rather than take it as a negative, we've actually taken it very much as a positive to upskill and train the people that we've got. We've talked around the fact that local land charges is being migrated into land registry. How is that going to work in practice? What's the data migration element to it? Uh, and I'm going to come to you first on on that, Nick. And then there's a there is a human element to this as well, though. And, and I'm going to talk to you, Pat, about that. So, Nick, data migration. Okay, what an exciting way to start the conversation. Okay, here goes. So. Very, very simply, the way that the data flows is it always flows from a CON29 to an LLC1. So it means that when you get your, your search result back, you cannot have an LLC1 dated before a CON29. Otherwise, there is the risk that you are actually missing what could be very important information. So what we have to do at the hub is as soon as we're notified by land registry, we have some technology which we enable around knowing what date the migration is to pause the ordering of the LLC one because we know that the local authority will be returning that after their migration date and they're not allowed to do it. So we end up submitting the CON29 to the local authority that comes back in its normal time and then we have an automatic trigger that orders the LLC one that's normally back in a couple of minutes we then combine the searches and the con 29 LLC one goes out the door to the relevant solicitor but um, it sounds quite simple and it is because it works but that's the biggest risk to migration that you get is you've got to understand how the data flows in the searches and to make sure that you're still supplying all the available data and that's what we do seamlessly and we've done it now for every single local authority that's migrated and it works. And Pat coming back to that point that we've just chatted around the human element the fact that there's this knowledge and, and you've got teams 
within local land charges departments that have been there for a long time. You yourself, I think you've said you've been in situ for about 30 plus years. How are we ensuring that that knowledge is being transferred to land reg? Yeah, the, the land registry um, originally intended to take over the whole local authority search service. So that would have been the LLC one form and the answers to the CON 29. Um, they quickly switched to just the LLC one. Local authorities are still responsible for maining, maintaining the new National Local Land Charters Register and are still or will still answer the CON 29 inquiries. Um, migrating the data is a very complex process with multiple data transfers and checking procedures. It is putting a strain on what are generally quite small local authority teams. This is actually an opportunity for local authorities to get all their processes down on paper and um, get them all documented so that everybody does follow the same way of doing things. And that is that is a way in which the, the historical knowledge that some longer members serving members of staff have of, of getting that information down so that it can be um, passed on to the to the next generation of local land charges officers. Some of our direct directors think that they're actually losing the whole local land charter service or it's being radically simplified but local land charters teams are still needed to maintain the local land charters register and to answer the con 29 um, as nick said conveyances now have to order their llc1 searches and con 29 answers separately from two separate providers although as Nick said, not if they're ordering through people like Endless. Um, they did risk, they, they risk having the two parts of what used to be one search arriving at different times. But I think the conveyances will get used to the new system, even if they don't necessarily see a great benefit to it now or, or possibly later on. There's some pain now for some later gain, we think, Nick. Um, I, I'm not too sure if there is a huge amount of pain at the moment for those solicitors that are ordering the official searches because the the providers out there really should know about gapping they should really know about providing the llc1 after the con 29 and i think that if any any search companies out there are doing it the wrong way around then you really must question how much they actually know about about the process but so far from what i've seen i think the land reds are doing uh, a, a, a Herculean task to move the data they've got. It's working seamlessly with us, so I would like to think that actually solicitors are reaping the benefits of that rather than seeing any problems. Pat's suggested that the migration, although has been challenging, the result has been very positive. Fiona, what, what's been done to support councils during the migration? And data's been supporting um, councils with um, queries um, and also raising the profile of the service sort of higher up within the local authority because i think as pat said it's uh, sometimes it's it's regarded as a as an admin service and it, it absolutely isn't um you know the, the 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 teams that work within local land charges are extremely knowledgeable um and um it it, and it isn't as simple as, oh, land registry is taking over the LLC one, so therefore we don't need to worry about that. Yes, you do. As Pat says, you know, the, the, the onus is still on the local authority to maintain the register. The onus is still on the local authority to answer the CON 29. So um, 
I think we've been supporting in that way. And I, and I do know Land Registry themselves are extremely supportive, um, you know, financially and also from a, from the technology perspective. Um, and all, all, we, all we've been hearing is some, some, some positive um, stories, um, how, how the migration has gone for, for, for the majority of local authorities. So I suppose if I was sat in the conveyances shoes right now, I'd, I'm concerned. I'd, I'd want to know that the data that I'm getting is as good as it ever has been, or it's going to be better. How are Land Data, Endless, and, and the the institute working together to ensure that the data that's being provided is is the best possible data? The local authorities are the originators and the custodians of almost all the information shown on searches. Um, local land charters officers are experts in their field. They check and double check information from across multiple departments to ensure that prospective purchasers receive accurate and up-to-date data to inform their decisions. Um, Endless provides a convenient channel for authorities to receive and dispatch searches. And this just isn't just an advert for Endless, but the system does work well because um, the negotiation facility, if there are any queries um, before a search is submitted, um, once a search is submitted, before it's been completed, or once a search has been completed, if there are any queries that come back, there is a, a fairly seam, seamless system to um, for the conveyances to raise any questions at any point. So I think we do work well to try and provide the information that purchasers need as quickly and as accurately as possible. Ah, thank you for that. The check's in the post, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> For that, but I, I suppose from from an endless perspective, we, we're all we're really we are the beneficiaries of the information that is that comes out from the variety of sources at the local authority. Um, I think probably testament to the quality angle, which we're always looking for, is that we see very few um, issues with searches once they have been relied upon. And I don't know how easy that would be to say for other types of searches using the conveyancing process. I hope it's also low because people are relying on these to buy their homes and they don't want problems. But actually, we see so few problems, you know, post completion with the information that's been provided. You would have to say that the data is not only reliable, it's highly reliable and highly accurate and um, does the job that's intended. I think, you know, the, the whole thinking behind Endless all those years ago was, was that, you know, it was recognised that that, can, that products and service quality um, are hugely important, still are probably more so to conveyances today, and they need reliable data. And to know that the data is from source and that they can trust it, and that there's consistency behind it and, and speed of delivery, um, which of course is, you know, is, is, is really the whole, the whole, you know, the whole meaning behind the hub and, and, and that's that's every, all of these searches that go through the hub have, uh, offer all of that security and, and, and quality. I did have a question. There are changes happening within councils, aren't there, Pat? What, what are they at the moment in terms of um, merging authorities? Yes, there there are um, some authorities around the country um, that are moving from a two-tier system with a with a county authority, a county council, and um, 
district authorities and um, current examples, Buckinghamshire, I believe, have just merged. Northamptonshire have gone from eight authorities to two. And there are changes in Somerset and Cumbria and North Yorkshire where um, there are, the authorities are merging to form unitary authorities. What's interesting with, with the unitary authority piece is that from a land charges perspective, or certainly from a search perspective, they are unitary in name only. We actually see that each, take Northampton for an example, we still have to know where all the old individual local authority boundaries were because those local authorities are still in existence for supplying land, local land charge information. So they will have different prices, different turnaround times, they will operate from different addresses. So actually we again have a clever piece of technology that allows us to keep looking at the old boundaries, the old gazetteer, as we call it, to make sure that the searches still go to the correct place, even though the unitary boundaries are in existence. Again, stopping rejections, reducing delays and queries. So we kind of have to operate under the new system, but keep the old system running. And again, it works well and it will continue to operate whatever structure a new unitary authority chooses to take, um, we will still know where everything goes. So um, again, another seamless transition that just happens um, and one that keeps keeps the sort of process flowing as efficiently as possible. We're coming towards the end of the discussion. Bearing in mind our listenership of, of conveyances, have you got any top tips, for want of a better word, um, on preparing a search inquiry in this sort of new digital age, I suppose? Um, if I can come in there as uh, as I'm on the receiving end of uh, searches from the conveyances, so I've got two very short points uh, which would be um, uh, requests to conveyances. So the first one is please check the property address, the plan and the fees are all okay before you submit a search and do contact the local authority in advance if necessary. Um, we're here to help and if a quick email or phone call would save a, a dozen phone calls or emails later on. And the other one is please don't leave your searches till the last minute. <laughs> uh, Nick? Um, I well, apart from what Pat said, I suppose the one, the, my personal request would actually be not due to the conveyances to be controversial but to somebody out there to actually sort out what the heck parcel fees are because that's actually the single biggest rejection that we actually get is because there is no way of knowing how many parcels a property is so anyone's got a clever suggestion that would get rid of so many queries for everybody in the industry not only just us on the phone call but hopefully the people listening it would be an amazing advance in efficiency but i just don't know where you'd start with it it's been a really interesting discussion around local land charges there's obviously a huge amount happening in this space uh, not least the land registry migration uh, as well to contend with um for me it's a thank you to you fiona pat and nick for joining the podcast today the today's conveyancer podcast is available on your preferred podcast provider it's also available on todaysconveyancer.co.uk thank you so much for joining thank you so much for listening and we'll see you again soon
You're listening to the Today's Conveyancer podcast, the leading source of information for residential property lawyers in England and Wales. Don't forget to subscribe and sign up to our free newsletter at todaysconveyancer.co.uk. You can also follow us on LinkedIn and Twitter.